Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled, going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. All-inclusive vacations make life easy with endless eats, bottomless drinks, and never-ending fun. So booking an all-inclusive vacation should be easy too, right? That's where Apple Vacations comes in. Book your all-inclusive getaway with Apple Vacations and receive exclusive perks at select resorts. You'll find the best deals to Hyatt, Zalara, Riviera Maya in Mexico and enjoy a selection of exclusive nonstop vacation flights. Turn on easy mode at applevacations.com or call your local travel advisor to get started. Visit applevacations.com or call your local travel advisor to get started. Forgotten is a production of iHeartMedia and Unusual Productions. Before we start, this podcast contains accounts which some listeners will find disturbing, but without them, the story can't be fully understood. Please take care while listening. A couple of years ago, I went to El Paso, Texas, because I was making a documentary about the U.S.-Mexico border. While I was there, I asked one of the producers a question. I said, if you could tell any story about this place, what would it be? He told me that right across the border from where we stood, there were young women who worked in American-owned factories in the Mexican city of Ciudad Juarez. And they were being killed with horrific brutality. The victims were often found half-naked, dumped in the desert. Some were found in mass graves with strange symbols left on their bodies. The producer told me there were all kinds of theories about what was happening to the women, but that no one knew for sure. So I asked him if I could interview him on the record, and he thought about it and said no. It was too dangerous but others did speak, and it became clear that the deaths, the disappearances of these women, they aren't random. They seem to follow a pattern. You'd have women or girls, even 15, 17, 19. And they have a similar look. A slim, dark skin, dark hair, you know. Which suggests they may have been selected. All from poor families. 
all from uh, mostly poor neighborhoods. They hold the same types of jobs. Usually students, factory workers. And commute regularly, alone, on public buses through downtown Juarez. And then, they're never seen again. At least, not alive. I quickly realized I'd never be able to understand the depth and complexity of this story without a partner. I asked a friend if they knew anyone who might be prepared to work with me. And it turned out they knew the perfect person. In the first three weeks of 2020, there have been more murders in Juarez than days in the new year. When a crush of Central American families has overwhelmed officials at the southern border. We're going down to the basement where other migrants are hanging out at this hotel. There's a horrific history of violence against women in Ciudad Juarez. In the last three decades, hundreds of women have been brutally murdered here. Many of their cases remain unsolved. And that's how I first got to know my co-host, Monica, a reporter from El Paso, a regular voice on public radio, and an authority on the region. Together, we'll explore who is responsible for the deaths of so many women in Juarez and why the crimes have remained unsolved for decades. I'm Osvaloshin. And I'm Monica Ortiz Uribe. This is Forgotten. The Women of Juarez. Voy a crear un canto para poder existir Para mover la tierra a los hombres y sobrevivir Yo no nací sin causa Yo no nací sin fe Mi corazón pega fuerte para gritar a los que no sienten así perseguir I've always been fascinated by borders, and something about El Paso called to me long before I ever went there. It was this city of several hundred thousand people in the desert, surrounded by mountains, whose name literally means the pass. Right across the dry bed of the Rio Grande River, separated by a 20-foot metal fence, is El Paso's twin city, Ciudad Juarez. When you drive along the highway in El Paso, the barrier becomes a brown blur of rusted metal. But if you stop and look, you can see right through the slats. In Juarez, there's a cathedral originally built by Spanish colonialists. There's the Kentucky Club, a bar that claims to have invented the margarita and that traces its name to the city's history of whiskey distilling and smuggling during Prohibition. There are huge, colorful murals celebrating local legends like the musician Juan Gabriel. And for all the things you read about the cartel violence, the desert landscape has a stark beauty. And Juarez is chaotic and bustling, a city of over a million people and a city of dreams. People come here to find education, to find work. I had come here because I wanted to know what living on this divide meant. But then I heard about the women, young women who've been going missing and turning up dead since the 1990s, often dumped in the desert. At first, the authorities tried to claim the murders were random and individual. But then, in 1995, the first mass grave was discovered in a place called 
Lotte Bravo. Nine women's bodies were discovered in this deserted plot of land, not far from the airport. The bodies were strewn around, as if the killer hadn't even made an effort to hide them. Some of the victims had their hands tied with shoelaces. Others had a severed left breast. One had a triangle carved on her back. Who could be capable of this? Speculations ran from a satanic cult to a serial killer. Then, in 1996, another mass grave was discovered. And then another. And another. And another. The most recent was in 2012. These were crimes that shocked people in both cities and that made it clear how powerfully a border can shape a person's fate. I needed to know more, so I sent Monica an email to ask if she'd consider working with me. And, well, I received a cool reception. I was very guarded at the beginning because, yeah, yeah, this is a story that I hold close to my heart, and I was very hesitant to work with anybody I didn't know with a stranger. I just presumed you were a gringo, even though you're not quite a gringo. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. For us uh, border ladies, I suppose, we're naturally suspicious of gringos. Coming in from the outside, telling the most sensitive story of our careers. The story takes an incredible emotional toll on you, and you're suffering all this distress because of it, so much so that uh, I was ready to walk away. But then I get this email. So what made you agree to work on this together? Well, honestly, because I've got this conscience that's eating away at me and, and won't let me go. When I started reporting in Juarez, there was one day when I was getting into the car, my mom followed me into the garage and got into the passenger seat with me. And she said, if you're going to go over there and put yourself in danger, then I'm going to go over there and put myself in the same danger. I can't let you go and expose yourself alone. Wow. That moment really forced me to grapple with, what are you willing to give up for this story? The Juarez that I knew growing up is not the Juarez that exists today. It's really sad, but uh, today, I think twice before I go to Juarez because of the dangers. So why did I let you pull me back in? Well, because I identify so strongly with the victims. There are women there that look like me, that are my same age, but confront a completely different, horrific reality. The border between El Paso and Juarez is increasingly militarized, but the line between the two cities has always been porous. Every year, millions of people cross back and forth over the three bridges that connect them. For this reason, it wasn't long before the murders of the women in Juarez made it onto the radar of the FBI's El Paso office. It strikes the heart when you see women being left like they're uh, garbage. That's Hardrick Crawford Jr. speaking. He was the FBI special agent in charge of El Paso from 2001 to 2003. He first learned about the crimes when he was preparing for his assignment at the FBI's headquarters. You look at the newspaper clips, and one of the things that jumped out at me was the murder of women in Juarez. To me, it's a crime on the level of the war crimes in Bosnia and Croatia, you know, uh, ethnic cleansing. 
it hit me on a personal level more so than it did on a professional level. It'll sound funny, but I thought, okay, now I know why God sent me to El Paso. <laughs> was this, this was the reason I was sent here. Nowadays, Hardrick lives in the suburbs of Washington, D.C. The day we pay him a visit, he's taking care of his grandchildren. But he was once one of the country's top law enforcement agents. Uh, protecting the realm. He spent years investigating some of the world's most dangerous criminal networks. Bad guys, evildoers. He went undercover to bust Colombian organized crime in Miami. While wearing a recorder. Yeah, it was kind of dicey. And in 1998, he set up the FBI's command post in Nairobi, Kenya, after Osama bin Laden bombed the embassy there. I was a senior man in the continent. But the assignment that he can't stop thinking about is El Paso, Texas. Just the sheer number of women was alarming that the most unsettling fact was the lack of tracking or information gathered as to the number of women, when they occurred, their modus operandi, what were the women doing? No database. The lack of official data presented Hardrick with a concrete problem. In fact, at least six of the murdered women in Juarez were U.S. citizens. And meanwhile, there was a letter to the editor of the El Paso Times in 2002 suggesting that the number of sex offenders paroled to the city from elsewhere had become a crisis. Could they have been drawn by the proximity to the border and the possibility of crossing back and forth into Mexico? Well, in this binational community, a big part of Hardrick's responsibility was solving binational crimes. If you look out of your office at the FBI, you could see Juarez. In downtown El Paso driving, you could see Juarez. It's there. It's looming large. Shortly after he arrives at the border, a chilling hypothesis about who might be killing the women begins to take hold. Here's Hardrick giving an interview to ABC News in 2001. There is a real possibility that an American or someone who is residing on our side of the border is conducting these murders. Hardrick goes on to describe Juarez as a killing field for young women. We discussed the fact that it would be easy for an El Paso-based predator to walk across the border every day, uh, commit a terrible crime, and then come back to El Paso and live a life with nobody to be the wiser. I mean, if you've ever been to Juarez, disposing of bodies is real easy. You don't have to dig through hard dirt. You're digging through sand. Juarez is surrounded by desert. Law enforcement is under-resourced. And you can walk there from El Paso in a matter of minutes. All of this was on Hardrick's mind when he worried that it could be a hunting ground for an American serial killer. And there was something else, too. Juarez was a city of migrants, young women and their families who had moved from rural Mexico to this industrial metropolis, drawn by the many factories or maquiladoras. And they didn't always have people to look out for them. It was like a perfect storm. You have the women coming from uh, southern Mexico, from Central America, desperate for work to help their families to come work at the maquiladoras. Uh, they're alone. The flip side of the coin is you'd have to be a cretin if you're a serial murderer or you're a psychopath, not to understand, wow, it's like antelopes at the waterhole. 
what a great opportunity for a serial killer. Once you start uh, focusing on Juarez and El Paso, you can't miss it. Dinah Valdez was writing about it. Dinah Washington Valdez is the reporter who has gone deeper into this story than perhaps any other. She wrote the defining book on the topic called The Killing Fields, Harvest of Women. And she noticed something that Hardrick Crawford picked up on about how the killers selected their victims. When we come back, Diana tells us what she pieced together. Your tax refund belongs to you, not an identity thief. Over $6 billion in tax refunds were flagged by the IRS for possible identity theft in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. LifeLock monitors and alerts you to identity threats you may miss on your own, even if you're careful with your personal information. And if you do become the victim of tax-related identity fraud, LifeLock has U.S.-based restoration specialists ready to help solve your identity theft issues. Plus, all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package, meaning LifeLock will reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Let LifeLock help you protect your financial information so all you have to worry about is what to do with your tax refund. Go to LifeLock.com iHeart and save up to 25% your first year. That's 25% off at LifeLock.com iHeart. Identity theft protection starts here. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com stereo right now. NetSuite.com stereo. NetSuite.com stereo. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep experts. <sighs> 
Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa's Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. I didn't think about the danger in the beginning, probably intentionally, because if I focused on the danger, then I would immediately create a barrier for myself to hold me back. It was not unusual to find myself in Juarez at 11, 12 p.m., 1 a.m., in order to interview certain police officers who were getting off their shift and had agreed to share uh, confidentially what they knew. So, Monica, if you ask anybody from the area about these crimes, the name they mention is Diana Washington Valdez. Who is she? Yeah, so Diana, like me, is a reporter. She was born in Mexico, raised in El Paso, and spent most of her career at the El Paso Times. And when I did a college internship at the El Paso Times, Diana was one of my first teachers in journalism. And what was your first impression of Diana when you met her in the office? I saw her as a badass, so much so that I felt intimidated the first time I met her and put my hand out to shake hers. And uh, she just laughed it off and said, no, no, don't be intimidated. I'm here for whatever you need. I think part of also what helped her reporting in Juarez is this stern exterior, this discipline that comes with military training. And what exactly did Diana do in the military? She served in the Army and then the National Guard for a total of 20 years. Wow. And that training and the discipline that comes with it helped her with her reporting. In the scariest moments, she says her training would kick in and help her set her emotions aside and focus on the mission before her. So we went to pay Diana a visit at her home in El Paso near the foot of the Franklin Mountains, some distance north of the border. There's your hot water for tea in the cups. Oh, well, wonderful. Thank you so much. How nice. Diana welcomes us into her home with a generosity and warmth that belies a tough exterior. Here's the sugar. Some... We were there to learn what her reporting on connections between the murders in Juarez might reveal about who was committing them. As we settled around her coffee table, I was curious about what had made Diana connect so deeply to this story. When I was a young woman, I could have been one of the victims because of my look and the long hair and uh, wandering around quite as naively. When I was 18 and 19, you know, they're my compatriots. Uh, I'm part of them, they're part of me. Never in a million years I, I could imagine writing about uh, teenage girls who were brutally uh, murdered 
and whose deaths uh, are unsolved and all of this could have been prevented. I, you know, I never would have imagined it. So. As a reporter at the El Paso Times, Diana started to notice a pattern of young women in Juarez disappearing and turning up dead. It was a golden age of local journalism and she had the platform to shine a light on these unsolved murders and perhaps in doing so, prevent more. But first she had to figure out exactly what was going on. We kept seeing reports about X number of bodies found, another woman found dead, mutilated, very horrific murders. The brutality, it was uh, something we've never seen here in the border on either side. But what I had been reading in the Mexican press did not tell me who was killing the women and why. So I got involved in investigating the murders. When was the very first time when you thought there's something connecting these crimes? The fact that multiple bodies were left uh, in specific sites, in sites where the bodies could be found. This was unseen and and unheard of. In some cases, we had uh, what I call a sense of overkill because we would have a victim, for example, that was strangled, stabbed, and shot. Also, these strangulations, the medical examiners in Juarez noted were for the purposes of sexual gratification of the perpetrator. That women were being strangled to achieve uh, this kind of sexual effect. It seemed that whoever was killing the women in Juarez was not content merely to end their lives. It seemed they wanted to completely dehumanize them in the process. But who would want to do this? And why? It seemed like whoever it was was taunting investigators, purposefully leaving signatures at the crime scenes. Yet the symbols that law enforcement found on some of the victims were very intriguing. These were linked to possible serial killers. And we know that serial killers have their own rituals in the way that they kill the victims and the way they position their bodies and uh, the trophies they might take from them. And in several cases, these triangles were carved on the backs of the victims. Those characteristics were terrifying to people and to the families because they would look at it and say, it's not just a murder. There's something else going on here that's scary. Did you ever discover what that something else was? There were, um, no, there were just uh, speculations. There were only speculations. Uh, The markings might have uh, indicated the initials of a perpetrator or represented a map, you know. A map? Mm -hmm. A map. Of what? A map of murder, you know. Geographical map, topographical? Geographical map. That's, That's as far as I was able to ascertain the information was provided. Could this possibly be true? A map of murder left on the bodies of the victims? And if so, where does that map lead? Well, despite a full plate of assignments in El Paso from her editors, those questions sent Diana into Juarez on her evenings, weekends, and even vacation to answer. I know just from experience that someone always knows something. Someone knows what's going on. These murders appeared to be uh, taking place systematically. It's specific kinds of victims are being selected and kidnapped or taken by force somehow or lured, and then their bodies found. Diana was struck by the profile of the victims. They were young. 
They'd come from elsewhere in search of opportunity. And they seemed to disappear into thin air, without witnesses. Standing at a memorial erected by the parents of one of the murdered women, Lilia Alejandra Andrade, Diana was momentarily overwhelmed. I walked through that field where her body had been found, and I saw the cross, Lilia Alejandra Andrade, and it kind of just all hit me at once that uh, this is where a young lady's life was snuffed out mercilessly. And it's just like all the emotions that I had suppressed up to then about the victims, just uh, just the dam burst. And then, you know, I started sobbing uncontrollably. I, I couldn't stop. It just, it just happened. And I cried and I cried and I cried. And the people who walked by uh, saw me and, you know, they, they thought something was wrong. And uh, I, I couldn't tell them. Monica Nordic. I had a similar moment um, where the tears mm-hmm. came, and and it, it was it was something that I couldn't stop, and mm-hmm. I was surprised at myself. And um, yeah, the grief builds up on you. Yeah, yes, what it was. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like you know, you think about the helplessness of the victims. Look at what they were up against. Your sixteen, seventeen-year-old. Uh, you went downtown to do a, an errand for your parents or to try in some new shoes, uh, to apply for a job, and whoosh, you know, you're grabbed and you're lured and you're murdered. Diana and Hardrick established a clear pattern in what type of victims the killer would target and how they would kill them. And in fact, There are so many murders of young women in Juarez that fit this pattern that the reflex can be to retreat into statistics. This many women, that cause of death. But you can't understand the full situation without getting to know some of the victims. Victims like Sagrario Gonzalez Flores. Early on, when we were embarking on this story together, Monica, you mentioned Sagrario Gonzalez. Sagrario Gonzalez's story is the story of so many other women who were murdered in Ciudad Juarez. She was an immigrant. Uh, She was a factory worker. She was a teenager. She went missing between her home and her work. And her murder transformed her family's life into this fight to try to find out what happened. But who is she? So, hmm. she sang in the church choir and taught Sunday school to kindergartners. She has a boyfriend. Uh, his name is Andres. She's got a notebook where she writes poetry. She puts all kinds of stickers in this notebook, like hearts and princesses and rabbits. And her handwriting is impeccable, um, written in block print, very neat. And it's clear she's sweet on Andres, too. She's got his name and phone number written on the front cover. And what was it like looking into that book? Oh, gosh. How do you describe that? This is like a relic of someone who's gone. It's the closest thing to her. I mean, it's so precious uh, just to see her name on there, her own name written in her own handwriting. I don't have the words for it. I don't have the words for it. But she's the whole reason why I'm sticking around to tell the story. 
Sagrario Gonzalez Flores was one of six sisters, and she was 17 years old when she left for work at 4 a.m. on Thursday, April 16th, 1998. She arrived at the factory, completed her normal work day, and then left to take the bus home. But she never made it. Her body was discovered two weeks later, dumped in the desert on the other side of town from where she lived. When we come back, we travel to Juarez to meet Sagrario's mother, Paula, at her home to learn more about her search for answers. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash stereo right now. NetSuite.com slash stereo. NetSuite.com slash stereo. Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled, going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Driving into Mexico from El Paso is straightforward. Passports are rarely checked and most cars are waved through. 
I now understood firsthand what Hardrick meant about how easy it would be for an American citizen to slip back and forth across the border. The part of Juarez closest to the bridge from the United States has restaurants with neglected facades from the 50s. There's a strip of nightclubs and bars, and there are billboards, in English, advertising cosmetic dentistry. But as you drive west, towards the Flores household, paved streets begin to give way to dirt roads, and urban infrastructure turns to desert. The Flores family lives in a colonia, or neighborhood, called Lomas de Poleo. It's one of the first communities in Mexico that isn't separated from the U.S. by the Rio Grande. That river travels south from New Mexico, then takes a sharp turn east when it reaches Texas. And that's where it becomes the U.S.-Mexico border. West of that point, the landscape is mostly desert, So nothing to divide the two countries, but a series of man-made barriers, each more severe than the last. Lomas de Poleo began as a squatter community founded by migrant families from other parts of Mexico, and most of them came here to work in the maquiladoras. As we drive through Lomas de Poleo, we pass house after house, each seemingly constructed from different materials. There are few street names and no street lights. Paula's house is one of the more substantial in the neighborhood, and it has a gated dirt yard where we park. <laughs> we get an extremely warm welcome when we arrive at Paula's house, from dogs to neighborhood children to Paula herself. My name is Paula Flores Bonilla. We are at my house, which is also yours, here in Lomas de Poleo. Paula has this cascade of thick black hair almost to her waist, and her wardrobe is very feminine. She carries herself with dignity and pride. Her shoulders are back, her head is held high. Paula is like the nucleus of her household. She's without a doubt the matriarch in the family. So she is just telling us um, about where her family came from. In El Salto, Durango, where we lived, my husband Jesus worked in the mountains. He was a chainsaw operator chopping pine trees for wood. In fact, in Durango, that's what most people do for work. My sister-in-law already lived here, and she was the one who invited us, saying that there was a lot of work here. We didn't bring a whole lot. We had what we were wearing and one change of clothing. The truck we were in had a camper bed, so in the back, on top of a camper, we packed four chairs. Inside the camper were my daughters, who lay on a little mattress, along with a bin of dishes. That's all we brought. It was 1995, a year after NAFTA was signed, and free trade meant the factories were booming. To this day, companies like General Electric and Johnson & Johnson create things like medical gloves and blood pressure cuffs in Juarez for export to the U.S. But Juarez had done little to prepare for the arrival of migrants like Paula, her husband Jesus, 
and their daughter, Sagrario. That's how neighborhoods like Lomas de Poleo came into existence. And to get the materials they needed to build their life, many families salvaged scrap from U.S. dumps across the border. This was at a time when the border was much less harshly enforced. Well, our primary need was wood because we wanted to put a roof over our heads to live, right? It wasn't unusual for people who lived in Lomas de Poleo to crawl under or jump over this barbed wire fence, get to this American landfill on the other side and pick through it to find material to construct their homes. There were a few times that Sagrario accompanied us to the American landfill. One of those times, it was in December, and we were there, and some guys came to throw out trash, right? So one of the guys saw her and noticed she was cold, so he took off his jacket and gave it to her. Sagrario was pale, and her face turned bright red, and she told him, no, no, thank you. And I told her, it's okay, take it. And Sagrario was blushing. She went over and took it, even though she didn't want to, and he gave it to her. That moment always stuck with me. Despite having to build the roof above their own heads, the Flores family did find what they'd come in search of. Work. Jesus and four of his kids, including Sagrario, worked the evening shift at the same maquila making refrigerator parts. They traveled as a group to and from work. Then the factory found out that Sagrario was underage. She was 17. So she was told that in order to keep working, she would have to switch to the day shift. And if she did that, she would have to wake up before dawn and make the two-hour bus trip to work alone. When they made the change, I told her to wait instead of accepting it. April, May, June, July. On July 31st, she would turn 18. I said to her, when you turn 18, you can go with your daddy and Guille, right? She said no, that she wanted to help, that she needed the money to support our home. So every morning, Sagrario would wake up at 3 a.m. She'd lower her bare feet onto a square of loose carpet that was placed on the dirt floor of their home. Next to the bed, there was a chair with her clothes folded on top of it and 20 Mexican pesos, bus fare to get from home to work. My son Chuy would go and walk her to the number 10 bus, and then in downtown, she would take another bus to work. When they changed her shift, she signed an insurance policy, like with beneficiaries, in case something happens. I remember that when she arrived with that paperwork, she said to me, Mama, they're going to give me life insurance in the maquila. Joking around, she told me, if something happens to me, Mama, they're going to give you a ton of money. I said, don't go saying that, honey. Why do you say that to me? Yes, Mama, if something happens to me, the maquila will give you lots of money. I always remember that so vividly. I don't know if my innocent girl had a feeling that something was going to happen to her. I don't know. The Flores family moved to Juarez in 1995, the very same year that the first mass grave of women was discovered. 
Paolo's husband, Jesus, had moved to Juarez with their son, Chuy, before the rest of the family. And Jesus sent letters home to Durango, encouraging Paola and their six daughters to join. Paola read them aloud to us. My Paola, I want to tell you the following. My love, we are in luck. As soon as we arrived, we found work. I asked him, how's the neighborhood? Whether it was peaceful because I'd heard it was dangerous in Juarez. And he said, no, it's peaceful. It's a new neighborhood. All the people are just getting started. I told him, they say they kill women there. They kill girls. And he said, no, no. I said, it's just that we're bringing a lot. Six daughters. And he said, no, no, there's no danger. Within three years of arriving with big dreams of a brighter future, Paola's worst fears had been realized. Sagrario had been brutally murdered. So people often ask me, what's the most difficult story you've had to cover as a reporter? And uh, my answer is always the same. The missing and murdered women of Juarez. It's a story that I've come back to throughout my career. I was once at a gathering of activists outside a courthouse in Juarez. And I remember this girl, no more than seven or eight years old, she was singing a song called Derecho de Nacimiento, or Birthright. It was in memory of the slain women. Women like Sagrario González Flores, Lilia Alejandra Andrade, and Guadalupe Perez Montes. I once made a silent promise to these women that I would tell the world who they were and why they mattered so that they would never be forgotten. In Juarez, these crimes have gone on for so long that this most extreme form of violence against women has a name. Feminicidio. Femicide. And the crimes have been maddeningly hard to solve. Witnesses rarely come forward. Evidence goes missing. Police are overstretched. But then, in 2001, a case came along that had all the pieces in place to be solved and to uncover who was behind the rest of these murders. That's in our next episode. I'm Oz Veloshin. And I'm Monica Ortiz Uribe. See you next time. Forgotten, The Women of Juarez is co-hosted by me, Monica Ortiz Uribe. And me, Oswald Oshin. We'd like to thank Paula Flores and all the victims' families. 
And thank you to Diana Washington Valdez and all the truth seekers and activists who fight for justice. And to the many people you won't hear on tape who contributed to this podcast. Thank you to Natalia Lafourcade and Keta Calderon for their help with our theme song, Derecho de Nacimiento. Forgotten is executive produced by me, Osvaloshin, and Mangesh Hatikida. Our producers are Julian Weller and Katrina Norvell. Sound editing by Julian Weller and Jacopo Penzo. Lucas Riley is our story editor. Caitlin Thompson is our consulting producer. Production support from Emily Marinoff and Aaron Kaufman. Recording assistance this episode from Melissa Kaplan. Music by Leonardo Heblum and Jacobo Lieberman. Additional music by Aaron Kaufman. Carla Tassara is the voice actor for Paula Flores. Special thanks to Angela Kocherga for introducing me to Monica, to Weird Move West for exceptional production support in El Paso, and to Jonah Descend for executive producing Bridging Us, the documentary series that first brought me to the border. This podcast is dedicated to all the women lost to senseless violence in Juarez and all around the world. Esta serie se dedica a todas las mujeres que han sufrido bajo la violencia. Ni una más. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled, going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter.